Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Security Token Show, episode 29. My name is Kyle Sondland, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Herwig Konings. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. we got a great episode lined up for you today where we'll be diving into the nitty-gritty of purpose-built security token blockchains. Wow. But, yeah, before we get into that hefty topic there, Kyle... We do always like to start off the show with our Companies of the Week, where we highlight what Kyle and I feel each separately as two companies doing the most to create adoption and advancing the security token space uh, forward. And of course, followed by that, we'll have our industry news segment, some STO updates, and of course, a market update. With that, Kyle, who is your Company of the Week? Well, thank you, Herwig. My Company of the Week this week is a company called Curio Invest. And I'm excited about Curio Invest. You may have seen the news, listeners, but they are actually tokenizing a Ferrari. So it's called the CT1 token, and they're tokenizing a $1.1 million Ferrari F12 TDF. And what they're doing is they're storing it, the car itself, they're putting it in a vault in Germany, and then issuing fractionalized shares of that car that then you can participate in yourself. And this was going to be listed in an agreement with the Merge Exchange in Seychelles. We've covered them before. They raised $500,000. And they are now going to be tokenizing a Ferrari and listing it on their exchange as their second security token in addition to their own digital IPO. And Jim Needham, who is the head of digital strategy at Merge, explained the process in a little bit more detail, saying, quote, you can have a guy in Uganda who's able to invest in a rare car that's kept in a vault in Stuttgart, tokenized by a company in Liechtenstein, and it all fits within this recognized regulatory environment. It's a perfect illustration of what this, as a tool, what blockchain technology and distributed ledger technology can do to democratize capital markets. And I think that's a really great quote. Um, Really what they're doing is providing access to investment opportunities that are just so unique and and fascinating use cases Um, and it's exciting to be listed on Merge but congrats to Curio Invest. According to the article, the two firms are planning to bring as many as 500 collectible cars worth over $200 million onto the exchange. 500 collectible cars, 200 million, Herwig. It's a pretty exciting use case and as a car enthusiast myself, I am fascinated to see how this market develops and, and how the demand and how these things trade. Additionally, I am psyched to see that Merge is is successfully launching with innovative products and and intuitive new assets for investors all around the world. Herwig, what do you think about Curio Invest? I also am a car enthusiast. I love it. I'll tokenize my own Ferrari. This sounds great. But in all seriousness, this is awesome because it's yet again another use case of security tokens bringing a new asset class that people previously couldn't really get access to or at least were required to put up a full investment in order to participate. And I'm, I'm super excited to see supercars come to the security token space. 
It's very interesting how they're keeping it in a vault. So I wonder if you'll be able to go visit or see it or if it's just going to be this this hidden, pristine car. We'll I, just have I'd to like see. like a camera, you know. <laughs> you can watch, pull it up on your phone. I someone's going to steal my Ferrari there. <laughs> yeah, hey, maybe. Maybe that's what they'll look into. But moving on, Herwig, what is your company of the week this week? Well, I'm going to give it to a company that I think has been long seeking the awards and they, they do some great things in the space and it always just seems like there's something else going on. But in this case, I'm very happy to nominate and give my, my company of the week to Polymath for releasing their Polymesh white paper. You know, we're going to discuss the Polymesh blockchain a little bit more in detail uh, later during our main topic, but I want to acknowledge that Polymyth has been hard at work building this new dedicated blockchain as a result of recognizing that Ethereum didn't meet its standards for scaling a security token infrastructure. The company did a high profile offering around their poly token at a time had the largest Telegram group in the world, forcing, I think, in fact, Telegram to then increase their, their sizes <laughs> overall. So, you know, the company to date has done a great job bringing awareness to the security token industry as well as adoption uh, well well over the, the, the several years that they've been in business. And I know they've been working hard for a long time on Polymesh. So, I'll, you know, I'm proud to award them Company of the Week for their accomplishment of finally releasing their white paper. Uh, and congrats to the, the team and community over there. Congratulations, Polymath. It is impressive. We will dig into it later. With that, let's kick off the industry news. Uh, Absolutely exciting here with a whole list of exchanges being active here. First up, we got iStocks, which has announced that they've graduated from the MAS FinTech Regulatory Sandbox, which they say makes them the first one-stop shop digitized securities issuance custody and trading platform to be approved by the MAS, which is, for those of you who don't know, the financial regulator in Singapore, where, of course, the exchange is located. This is huge news as the team comes off of a $5 million funding round uh, just fresh from a week or two ago. And we, of course, are eagerly awaiting the first listed products that I'm sure will be announced soon now that they are officially licensed and regulated and live out of their, their sandbox here. That's great. Awesome news. Next up, we have London-based Archax, who's announcing a partnership with Volk, which is sort for X Value on Chain, which is an issuance platform built on private blockchain Corda by R3. This means Archax will now be supporting Corda-powered STOs issued by Volk. Archax actually also announced a new member of their team last week, tapping in Alex Royal as chief compliance officer, and Alex Royal also previously worked for the FCA. So it's a common seal of approval for exchanges to show they are, of course, focused on compliance by having a previous regulator serving the CCO position like Alex Royal will be here. Archax is expected to go live in mid-2020, so we'll keep looking out for more news around the token products that hopefully we'll be launching with them. Next up, moving over to the States, we have the CEO of T0, Sam Norsalehi, releasing a letter to the public announcing a recap of their 2019 accomplishments as well as their intentions for 2020. He announced the departure of an executive, Steve Hopkins, also the expected anticipation of a new security token to be listed on the exchange in the coming weeks. It's not specifically which one, Kyle. I'm sure you're going to try and dig and find out for our listeners here, but there is one coming in the coming weeks. I need it. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Including the fact also that they also have 200 issuers in their pipeline. They've also signed agreements with five more broker dealers to increase liquidity. 
with dozens more anticipated. And also, Saw mentioned that T0 will launch its own broker-dealer called T0 Markets, targeting a launch in the first half of the year. So for those of you who are confused here, T0 has launched their infrastructure and primary trading platform, originally first with Dinosaur, which is a separate broker-dealer from T0. With T0 Markets, this will be now the main exchange interface for T0, allowing them to connect all the other providers and of course, allowing broker dealers to still enable their own interfaces to manage their customers and plug into the ecosystem. Finally, he also mentioned that they hope to get an SEC decision on the approval to move forward with the Boston Security Token Exchange, which is designed to be a token-based alternative to the NASDAQ for mature issuers, which they hope will receive some, some kind of decision in Q2. Salman that is note saying that T0 has committed financing from parent company Overstock as well, but may actually start to seek outside capital sometime in late 2020 or starting in 2021. Without a doubt, Kyle, I think it's pretty clear. T0's goals for 2020, launch their own broker-dealer, launch a regulated exchange with BTSX, and improve liquidity in order to list more assets and increase, of course, their daily trading volumes. Love to hear it. I'm glad he gave this, this letter. Um, but I think everyone's just craving to see some action. So I'm looking forward to seeing that live token. I'm looking forward to seeing the launch of their broker-dealer. Hopefully we can get some of these things live and and work towards adoption. It's coming. (laughs) Eventually. (laughs) Finally, on the exchange side here, we have potentially a new exchange on the block. The Bombay Stock Exchange in Mumbai has announced that they have opened up bids for companies to help the BSE build a digital trading platform. It is unclear if blockchain-based securities will be a core component but it is expected, of course, naturally, uh, as all the technology that we've been discussing. Moving over on a short trip over to Malaysia, we'd find that the Islamic Development Bank has appointed a uh, a Surinai Commerce to develop a digital halal ecosystem, and it is likely that Surinai will issue a security token to finance this expansion. Hmm. Founded in 2009, Surinai has developed a number of halal technology services, including compiling a data pool of global halal manufacturers, suppliers, buyers, and retailers. A digital ecosystem would allow for the creation of sukuk bonds and other halal instruments to be tracked and traded in a regulated and digital environment. We'll be to share, of course, to share any news of any potential STO we hear from this, which of course seems to be right now what Surinai is exploring. We also have some news from TokenSoft announcing that they now have launched a self-managed investment account for security tokens, enabling investment accounts that offer a brokerage-style experience for investors. CEO Mason Borda said, we're excited to bring a multi-signature wallet security package in a self-controlled, easy-to-manage brokerage-style experience to over 100,000 investors using their platform. This enables a real, digital, and friendly user interface for investors managing TokenSoft-issued security tokens, as well as other supported custody token types on their their platform. So I find this is a really great value add, especially if you're an issuer that wants to manage their own token market or leverage a reporting and management tool for dividends and liquidity and other tools that is now managed through their digital interface here through their self-managed accounts for investors. So it seems like another great addition to their, their technology suite by the TokenSoft team. Wireframes look cool. Congrats. Hopefully uh, helps contribute to investor adoption. Let's hope. 
We also have Vertalo making some waves, announcing their new focus on Tezos over Ethereum. It has developed the ability to convert ERC-20 tokens to Tezos formatted smart contracts, though it will still support Ethereum. Through this, the Vertalo platform can support 99% of the ecosystem, says founder and CEO Dave Hendricks. The company has chosen Tezos because its smart contract abilities are available in multiple programming language, Hendricks said. And he also cited that Tezos' rate of transactions per second, stable network of participants, and the collateralization opportunities offered by being a proof-of-state network as value adds to the Tezos blockchain. We also have a big hire announcement from the most funded security token startup in the space, figure, of course, uh, announcing a new member to their team. Uh, Asif Hirji. Asif was the former CEO of Coinbase. He was also the former CEO at TD Ameritrade, and he was also an operating partner at Andreessen Horowitz. Wow. An impressive resume. He's expected to help the company develop a merchant bank, which I can only presume is designed to help with sales of securitizations of figure loans, which is expected, as I said before, sometime probably later this year. Definitely a strong talent acquisition, I'd say, Kyle. Horowitz, you've been following figure for a long time now. I can't wait to keep hearing these updates. This company is, is really doing fantastic things and uh, another great hire. Yeah. We also saw a couple of great reports on the security token industry side here being released last week. You can find them all in the description. Any of the articles that we discuss can be found in the description of wherever you're listening to in this podcast. You can also go directly to the source at stomarket.com slash news. And again, we have some pretty good uh, uh, reports here. The first was the sixth edition of the annual ICO SEO market report by PwC and Crypto Valley. And there is definitely a growing focus on STOs and a lot of great charts and graphics in there for for you to check out. We also have an incredibly vast document here. The University of Oxford released a report on tokenization of real estate that's 55 pages long. I found that honestly an incredible report documenting the true value proposition of the intersection of digital securities and real estate. The report begins with a history of real estate assets and the technology developments leading to the explanation of blockchain, leading then to the development of security tokens, and then giving various use cases and even structures for real estate transactions really covers the book. They, they even gave in some industry highlights and have some fascinating conclusions. Highly worth it if you're looking to educate yourself on security tokens and real estate. And if that wasn't enough reading material for you, <laughs> there's another really great and awesome report, another 50-page report, this time by the OECD Blockchain Policy Series, which covers the implications this time of tokenization for financial markets. It covers the technology, how it's disruptive, as well as the policy and regulation. and gives a lot of great case studies. Again, another awesome read if you want to cover more and learn about the value proposition of tokenized securities. To end our news segment here, we have a great event that's actually happening at night of the publishing of the, the podcast here. I'm, of course, referring to the fifth event by Security Tokens Realized, which this time also features an award ceremony. It will be taking place in London February 4th and 5th. Many leaders in the industry will be in attendance. And actually, Security Token Market was nominated and is a finalist for the Adoption of Security Tokens category. So, woo! We're hoping to take that home. But, you know, again, congratulations to all the finalists and ultimate winners of the, the 
various categories. Absolutely. Thanks a lot to that team for nominating us as a finalist. I think that's that's really exciting for Security Token Market. We certainly have been working hard to do what we can for the mainstream adoption of security tokens, helping to bring information and transparency to the space. And excited to see who else pulls out some wins. We get a lot of friendly faces and familiar faces that are going to be up there receiving awards. Absolutely. And that's it, Kyle. Uh, you know, I, I think we got a lot of good news covered here, but I'd love to pass it over to you and start hearing about those STOs. Absolutely. So first we've got an STO update. This is from Zion Energy. And Zion is announcing an acquisition of 2% of non-operated interest in Titan Pipeline's shale gas development project in Kentucky. So Zion Energy, they're back at it again. Another acquisition, Herwig. And this time, just like in the last few, they're using Zion Coin as the, the transaction currency. So they're actually, they gave 35 million Zion Coins to purchase this 2% stake in a shale gas development project in Western Kentucky. So the initial program is actually two leased properties, one that is 1,450 acres, the second which is 550. And so they gave three, 35 million Zion coins for about 2,000 acres of oil and gas development property that's managed by Titan Pipeline. And then after the successful completion of the phase one, Titan Pipeline has secured access to the acquisition of a further 10,000 acres on an adjacent acreage for an expansion project. So the total acquisition was that 35 million Zion coins. This is Zion coins aren't traded on secondary markets at this time, so I can't really give you a great exchange rate on what that really means in dollars. It's hard for me to say, um, but they've made now three Zion coin acquisitions, and they just won't stop. Yeah, wow. Amazing. Congrats to the Zion coin team. Moving forward, we have a Malaysian issuer, MetalStream, who announced this week that they are officially launching a project to finance gold mines, presumably in Malaysia, backing the token to the mined gold that they will make in the future. And so this is one of those very interesting use cases that we hear get passed around sometimes with, with mining operations and natural resources and, and being able to fund those things up front in exchange for some of the resources to get back once it's mined out. And so the token MSGLD, presumably metal stream gold, is redeemable for certified gold bullion and are offered to purchasers at a discount of approximately 30% to the current spot price of gold. So it's an Ethereum token. It's compatible with existing exchanges. It's going to be tradable 24-7. And MetalStream has signed forward purchase agreements with Canamex Gold as well as Guiana Goldstrike for a combined total of 80,000 ounces of gold to back to their first issuance. So they're taking this very seriously. They're committing it with serious, serious resources behind it. Um, and both Canamex and Guiana, which are the companies that are, that are combining for this gold, are publicly listed companies on the Canadian Stock Exchange. So these are two publicly listed businesses that are, that are backing this token offering um, of 80,000 ounces of gold. So it's going to be very interesting. MSGLD tokens will be sold at 525 USD per token with a 16 million tokens offered. So it's a you know it's a it's a interesting offering backing it to gold the future returns of that gold. If you want to look at more, check out more metalstream.io. Fascinating. Love it. Another use case and it's great. It's not just necessarily buying the gold but also the you know the potential future mining of the gold itself. Absolutely. And then we have Another totally international issuer, this is the Arctic Exchange. 
which is an upcoming security token exchange out of Greenland. And so Arctic Exchange is actually launching a security token of their own to fundraise for the platform. So smaller nations, their, their theory is that smaller nations find that it can be very difficult to have access to the traditional financial markets because they're situated in financial hubs somewhere else around the world. And so Arctic Exchange's mission is to open these markets up to the smaller industries like, or smaller markets rather like Greenland by leveraging tokenization and blockchain technology for ease of transfer and automated settlement and all these wonderful things that we talk about on the pod. And so the company's only raising about $50,000 at a token price of 20 cents per with a minimum investment of around $100, I believe. And the campaign lasts from now in February until April 30th. So if you want to check out their listing page, they're actually leveraging crowdfunding platform Tukey to fundraise. And so you can check their, their page out on Tukey for more information on that offering. Finally, we have the Swiss company Overfuture, who is offering their tokenized equity in a security token offering. And so they're actually launching a, you know, a digital IPO, one of, one of these phrasing. And so Overfuture is actually approved to be the first articles of incorporation that's going to be hosted on-chain in Switzerland. And so they're going to be listing Class A shares on the blockchain as they tokenize their product and launch it onto secondary markets. And so Overfuture is actually fully regulated by the Swiss Financial Market Supervisory Authority. And according to the press release, the firm plans to issue 8.4 million common equity security tokens on the Ethereum blockchain with the Euro DAX providing the smart contracts. So the offering price is going to be $1.38 per share, and they're going to be going live with that soon. And so I was actually reading this article, and uh, the article also mentioned a, another security token offering in December that slipped through the cracks. And so Richard Castelline of Blockchain News did report that Startup Bootcamp actually successfully raised 2.3 million euros in a successful tokenized IPO out of the Netherlands, also leveraging um, you know, this crowdfunding issue, you know, public IPO. And so the, the funds were raised on the Rabo and Crowd fundraising platform, and they're actually now live on the N-Exchange platform which is a fully regulated security token exchange via the Netherlands Authority for Financial Markets and the Dutch Central Bank. So the shares, I was able to find them online, Herwig. It says they're trading at 41.50, but there's zero volume yet. So I reached out to the team to see if maybe they're in a lockup period or if they're still figuring out how to launch those live on secondary markets. But it did seem noteworthy enough to mention that they did successfully raise $2.3 million for a security token offering and have plans to, to provide secondary liquidity, hopefully soon, through the N-Exchange platform, which is really, really exciting stuff. Another great security token offering coming out of Europe. Great to see that uh, you know, a lot of these different jurisdictions in Europe can enable potentially a more cost-effective IPO, which can be a boon for the region, although I, you know, I don't think necessarily you'll have to do your own research that uh, US citizens can participate but uh, you know I do think that could for, for sure seems to be a trend here both in Switzerland as well as the Netherlands and both seem to be uh, very successful and cool offerings yeah more more offerings that are that are launching that are staying compliant are looking to, to do this the right way and uh, we'll keep you updated on how those are performing. But I think it's a good transition now to move into the market update. So now we're talking about the, the live tokens. We've got our favorite faces. Unfortunately, the security token market cap is down to $53 million from the 61 that it was last week, which is not great. But as you can imagine, this is pretty much predicated on T0, which is the leader in the market cap and seems to really determine because of its, its 
consistent liquidity where our market cap is looking. And so T0 fell to a local low of $1.16, where it did hold at the end of the week from $1.25 or so last week, was where we were kind of sitting. We're hoping we wouldn't break through that $1.20. It did fall past that and sat, sat around $1.16. And this is really the only mover in, in the week. Um, it is doing strong volume still, averaging over $7,000 in daily trading as opposed to, to essentially zero for, for many of the other tokens. And the other eight live tokens don't consistently hit a significant daily volume, let alone thousands of dollars. So again, with the investor letter recently coming out, there's some excitement that new assets are coming soon. And hopefully we'll be able to see a turnaround in T0. The other three live tokens on the Uniswap platform have seen some success as well this week, but again, not, not any serious volume to really make any, any interesting comments. As always, all of our news and all of our data is sourced from stomarket.com. So if you want to find the news, go on stomarket.com slash news. If you want to find the, the secondary pricing, we now have the, the hourly updating pricing for the Uniswap tokens and daily pricing updates for the rest. You can find those on stomarket.com as well. Without further ado, with the Polymesh white paper being released, we did figure that it would be a good time to cover the concept of dedicated security token blockchains and what the differences and potential pros and cons are with a dedicated blockchain versus one that was generally built for just any purpose that, that needs blockchain transactions. And so first, I think we need to review the landscape of the current solutions today, Herwig. I think that's a great idea. Tell us, Kyle, how does it look like? So today, each issued token has been adapted for either a public or private blockchain, but there's never been a blockchain that's actually purpose-built for security tokens. So we need to pick apart kind of what those three things mean. First, we have public blockchains, which are decentralized distributed ledger technologies such as Ethereum, Stellar, and Tezos, which seem to have the most adoption to date for issuing security tokens. We also have private blockchain distributed ledger solutions like Hyperledger, Corda, and many others. And these are private companies that are offering the same solutions on a distributed ledger without being reliant on that decentralized incentive mechanism to operate the blockchain. So essentially, when you have a public blockchain, it's just it's all about the community validating all these transactions. Private blockchains are valuable because every transaction doesn't need to be public to everyone in the network, which is important when you have central banks and stuff that want to have a, maybe more permission than, than other users, which is a good transition into a permissioned blockchain. And so with any blockchain, whether it's public or private, you can add permissions that create specific roles and whitelists to limit access and certain activities on the blockchain. So all security token issuance companies do leverage permissioned blockchains because of the way securities are regulated for privacy and compliance reasons. The most popular example of a public permissioned blockchain is Ethereum, which sees issuance platforms of community members develop security token protocols like ERC-1400, 1404, or DSO by Securitize, as well as R-Token by Harbor. Issuance platforms can leverage these protocols to upgrade the public Ethereum network to power their security token applications and mint security tokens compliant with the necessary regulations regarding accreditation or jurisdiction requirements and other things like that. Again, most issuance platforms today have developed security token protocols on these public permission blockchains like Ethereum, Tezos, Stellar, and others. Then we have some examples of private permissioned blockchains like IBM's Hyperledger Fabric or R3's Corda. 
The most popular example of an issuance platform building on top of one of these blockchains is one called Onera, which was created by Ami Ben David, who was previously involved with Spice VC as well as Securitize. And Onera describes itself as a digital securities network built on Hyperledger, providing all of the tools and pieces that and ecosystem members to power a security token infrastructure on a private permission blockchain. All these examples are companies building on what are called general purpose blockchains because they were built for many different applications and they grow much faster, but they don't necessarily fit like a glove for security tokens. Right. And so as a result, critics and blockchain investors have questioned whether these general purpose blockchain solutions, whether they're private or public, actually meet the standards of an enterprise-grade network that's needed to support a large-scale security token infrastructure. Specifically, those weaknesses can generally be summarized as issues with identity and compliance, concerns with decentralized solutions powering the technology, and issues with developing on smart contracts versus on-chain. Regarding the identity and compliance, many have questioned the approach of synonymous wallets creating identity and ownership concerns that make it more difficult to meet those regulations simply because it's harder to figure out who owns what wallet and have a full understanding potentially of of the identity of everybody in the ecosystem. However, in a purpose-built blockchain, all the stakeholders would be verified before being able to join the ecosystem, removing these identity and governance-related issues. For the public permission solutions, concerns fall under the risk of relying on a decentralized solution to power and function those security token applications. For example, Ethereum could suffer from scaling issues, like when you know CryptoKitties clogged up the network. Oh right? gosh, what a disaster! There could be network attacks because perhaps you know the Ethereum is more valuable than the specific security token blockchain protocol, or it has public. different vulnerabilities that are mm-hmm. not specific to the dedicated blockchain. And then finally, you also have governance conflicts, of course, from the community. If you are not in control of the governance, then you are suffering a potential risk from issues that stem from the community. An example could be that adoption for Ethereum goes towards supply chains and doesn't necessarily focus on security tokens and as a result uh, has an, an impact on the ability to develop and scale security token applications. Exactly. But on a dedicated blockchain, Kyle, all those functions and activity is for the same purpose, to manage security tokens. And so in principle, this purpose-built blockchain can be architectured in a way to power itself, built exclusively on charging a fee on the functions needed to manage security tokens. Finally, we have the concerns regarding current smart contract solutions being a patchwork solution to what preferably should be or are on-chain activities. In order to validate identity, offer custodial solutions, document management, relay information, and perform many other activities, smart contracts provide automation for these functions on top of the Ethereum blockchain, but can be expensive and slow. With a dedicated blockchain, a lot of these functions can be designed to allow you to write onto the chain directly without needing a smart contract because the blockchain was already designed to offer these functions and therefore can also be more efficient than a custom potentially complex set of smart contracts uh, that could be coded in a variety of different ways. However, the concept of a purpose-built blockchain for security tokens doesn't come without its own risks and weaknesses. That's true. It can be extremely expensive to build this whole thing from scratch. It also 
is untested from a security usage perspective, right? This is something Fair. that when we have Ethereum, there's a they, they've it's been around now for a bunch of years. We've we squashed a lot of the bugs. Absolutely, haven't done that. And then finally, it, it does have a little bit of a chicken and egg adoption problem, where you need those people to be participating in the network, but you also need it to be adopted by issuers, and so you need to find the right kind of solutions and community to support this thing, while they won't join the platform until you have the right issuers who are already using other solutions. So it's kind of getting additional validators, users, issuers is a very very challenging task. That's right. We did a great episode covering the infrastructure of a security token ecosystem. And you'd have to go and fill in all those pieces to be able to support it from custody to broker dealers, to transfer agents, to issuance platforms, to to investment groups and funds and, and investors and the like all need to be supported and brought on board now on a specifically dedicated platform that they also need to be educated on, on how it works and get familiar with it. And programmers have to understand how to build on top of it, et cetera. So absolutely another massive adoption problem, I think for sure as a challenge. The one good thing is that there are some options to help blockchains communicate and at least be able to, to work together in some ways. So there, I think there may be ways that they can, again, try to patchwork that a little bit as a you know, halfway point as a compromise as we continue to build this out. But it'll be interesting to watch moving forward. Yeah. And again, no purpose-built blockchains have come to market yet. So, right. you know, in order to bring this vision to life, Polymath set out to build Polymesh, which, you know, Polymesh itself is actually, it's built on the parity substrate, which uses Rust and WebAssembly programming languages to give developers all the pieces they need to create their own custom blockchain. That way you don't have to rely on a general purpose solution, but you have all the different pieces to create your own architecture, your own network, uh, to, the, to, to bring together a specific blockchain solution, in this case, Polymesh being for security token infrastructure. The Polymesh will be structured as a public permission blockchain powered by the PolyX protocol. To be clear for everyone listening here, this means that Polymesh is the same as Ethereum in the sense that they are both public blockchain technologies, but the difference is that Polymesh doesn't support permissionless apps Polymesh does not rely on the same consensus mechanism at all. And Polymesh actually has a completely different governance structure in place. So we're not really going to cover too much detail of Polymesh blockchain today, but I do want to commend the Polymath team for being the first company to recognize and bring to market a truly purpose-built blockchain for security tokens. It does remain to be seen the true value compared to the general purpose counterpart But hopefully today we've all now got a clearer picture as to why the value of purpose-built blockchains may be needed for the security token infrastructure. Anyone listening, I would love to hear your comments on our breakdown here. Herwig and I have spent a lot of time researching this to try to make sure that everything that we detailed in this episode is correct. But there may be things that we've you know, are continuing to learn ourselves and may continue to develop over time. So we'd love to get into some interesting conversations regarding some of these solutions and how they may change over time. You should reach out to us, leave comments, give us feedback. And if there's anything that that we can address or can change, we'll certainly make notes of that for the future. Kyle is super active on Twitter. Just hit him up. I'm super active on LinkedIn. Absolutely. 
comments. I want to say the same thing. I would love to hear your feedback as well as just on the concept of purpose-built security token blockchains too. Do you think that they are more valuable than the general purpose counterpart? Is it to is it more of a, a sort of similar patchwork solution? All of it remains to be seen. We'd love to hear your thoughts. But with that, that is the end of our show. Security Token Show, episode 29. Hope you enjoyed it. Looking forward to keeping this going for 2020. 29 episodes in. It's, it's fantastic. Thanks to all the listeners. Give us some feedback. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>